Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Are you praying in a way that's going to capture the attention of God? One of the benefits of studying the book of Psalms is we learn prayers that were inspired by the Spirit of God. And therefore, these prayers are going to be heard by God, and they are going to bring about a response from God. And that is what we should desire concerning our prayers. From a personal standpoint, I find that it's much more beneficial for me to pray through the book of Psalms than me simply coming before God and saying whatever comes into my mind. Now, there are times when we should simply pray freely from the heart, so to speak, but pray before that, that God would establish your heart. The way that is said in Hebrew is lev nechon, meaning a correct heart. Better yet, a heart that has been corrected by God. So what comes from our heart are those things that is going to be pleasing to God, that is going to be met with a response from God. And in the end, we are praying in the will of God. Well, take out your Bible and look with me, as you probably can imagine, to the book of Psalms and Psalm 80. The book of Psalms, Psalm 80. Now, we have seen in recent times many of these Psalms that we have studied. The author is one by the name of Asaph. And here we're going to have a testimony from him. We'll see that in a moment. And this testimony from him is insight, wisdom inspired by the Holy Spirit to show us how to pray effectively, how to speak before God that will bring about a response. It's not manipulating God. Obviously, no one can manipulate God. But what it's doing is taking a model prayer and making it ours, reciting this before God for when we find ourselves in a similar situation. So look with me to verse 1. Now again, there's going to be an inscription, which is that first verse, which means whatever number I say, you are going to have to subtract one from that to be in the correct verse. Because that first verse in the Hebrew text, allow me to read it, where it says, to the chief musician, or perhaps that choir director, that leader of using this psalm among the congregation of Israel for worship. So it's addressed to him, to the chief musician, on, and then we have the word, Shoshanim. Now, Shoshana, is a flower some say it's a rose or a lily others will say that it's a specific instrument 
And when I look at the rabbinical commentary, they seem to say that it's a melody. It's a tune that was was known. Now, whatever this is, we know that it has to do with providing a framework, probably musical, for this psalm to be chanted. And then we see in the last part of verse 1 in the Hebrew text, a dut. Now, some Bibles simply translate that word phonetically. It will say a dut. But this word a dut has a meaning. It is a testimony. It's one that's bearing witness. And it's his testimony, his his witness that he provides. So a testimony of Asaf, he's the author. And then we have Mizmor, which is the word for Psalm. So this Psalm testifies from Asaf. And again, it's a testimony in regard to prayer and praying in a way that's going to produce God's will in one's life. And that should be at the foundation of our desire. Move to the next verse, verse 2 in the Hebrew text. The subject is going to be God. We're going to see that God and Israel are going to be spoken of. And God here, the word is the word roe, which in this context is a verb, some would say participle, and it speaks about one who shepherds. Now, in the original language, it's indefinite. A person that shepherds Israel. But we're going to find out as we go through this verse that it's not speaking about a person, just anyone, but it's speaking about the shepherd of Israel. And I'll share with you why that is in a moment. But because of that, I'm going to translate this as definite, as the definite article appears when in actuality it does not. But you'll see why do that in a moment. The one who shepherds Israel, and he says, give ear, meaning listen. And remember what I've shared with you. This particular word for listening or hearing is not the word where we get the term shema. It's not the verb lakshif, but it's the word that is derived from the Hebrew word ear. So give ear to. Allow something to be placed into the ear. In order to do that, you must draw close. You must be in that presence. So when it says, listen, O shepherd of Israel, hear this. One of the foundational purposes of why this specific verb is used is because one wants to draw close to. He wants intimacy. He's looking for a closeness. And this is what we see in this verse. So the one who shepherds Israel, give ear. The one who leads as a flock, Yosef. Now, Yosef speaking about the tribe of Joseph, but that northern tribe was also called by that name Ephraim, one of the sons of Joseph. And because Joseph, for a season, was that leading son, 
it can relate in a general sense to Israel. And if we look at the parallelism here, the word Yosef is parallel to Israel. So again, it's speaking about God who shepherds Israel, God who leads the flock of Yosef, an idiom for, once more, the people of God. And how do we know that that this should be understood as definite? Not speaking about a shepherd, or a leader, one who guides, but rather, it says, Yoshev HaKrovim. This means one who sits, where? Between the cherubim. And we know something. It is only God and God alone that, that His presence was in that Holy of Holies. And His presence dwelt between the two cherubim on that mercy seat, that that kapoor, that covering for the Ark of the Covenant. Because of this last part where it says, Yoshev HaKrovim, the one who dwells between the cherubim, obviously the subject is now revealed. It's God. And then it speaks about Hophia, which means he has appeared. And the emphasis here is that Asaf, this one who's bearing testimony, is speaking about God who shepherds Israel, the one who leads Israel, and then he reveals who we're speaking about because of this holy place that God has manifested himself, that he has appeared. And because of the term kaport, that mercy seat, shows that God is merciful, that God can be entreated, meaning that God can when the people approach him properly god can be drawn near not because he's being manipulated but it's god's desire to be with his people now let's look at the next verse verse three in the hebrew text verse two and most others before ephraim and not just ephraim but also benjamin the tribe of benjamin and menashe he says arouse that is to wake up or stir up your power so asaf he's bearing testimony that he wants god to move to stir up his power in regard to these tribes and here again is there something unique about these tribes well these tribes were located in different places relating to different at one times kingdom but the point here it's simply three tribes that are reflective of the people of god he says come it's in a form of commandment come for salvation of us so come for the purpose of delivering saving us and we're going to see that the enemy is going to figure into this in a moment save us from the enemy those those attacks that are against your purposes for your people verse 4. now this is going to be repeated several times in this psalm i'm speaking about this verse this fourth verse third verse in your bibles it's going to be repeated three times when something's repeated it shows emphasis so what's he saying here Well, for this godly change to happen to the people, 
that there is going to be a renewal, that there's going to be a deliverance, that the people are going to experience salvation. Notice what he says. Oh God. And it's a word that mean, can, can mean to turn back, but it's best understood as a restoration. So he says, Oh God, restore us. Allow us to be restored by you. And he says, And your face to shine, and we will be saved. If God's presence is brought back into the people of Israel, then there's going to be deliverance. God with his people is a definition of salvation. This reconciliation between Israel and God, when that happens, we can expect victory. So that's why the term salvation appears there. One of the understandings of salvation is victory. Next verse, verse 5. O Lord, God of hosts, admetai, meaning until when, and that's literally what it says here. I believe last week we saw the phrase adma, until what? What has to happen? But here, admetai, until when so he says O lord god of hosts meaning god we know that you're capable we know that you are without any limitations that you can do all things so until when and here's the problem the next word is the word for smoke in a verbal form now we don't really have that in english perhaps we could use a participle for smoking as something is smoking hot well this is simply a reference to the anger of god being smoking hot god is displeased with the people asaf is is sensitive he understands god's disposition to the people and therefore he says god you are the god that's Without limitations, you can do all things. So, how long, God, are you going to be angry? And the prayers of your people, meaning that you're going to be angry. And and the implication is that you're not going to respond favorably. You're not going to hear our prayers. You're not going to respond to our petitions. So, what's happening here is that Asaf is testifying that God is silent, both in word, revelation, and also action. And he wants to know how long, until when, are you going to be angry and the prayers of your people are not answered? Verse verse 6, again, verse 5 in your Bible more than likely. He says, the one who has fed, now this is the word for eating, but it's caused to eat so you cause someone to eat by feeding them and what has god fed the people well here lechem dim'ah the the bread of tears now bread of tears is a hebrew idiom that speaks to sorrow so the people are being fed god is giving to the people sorrow and most of the commentators see this as abundant sorrow and not just uh, here and there, but keep reading, he says. And given drink to him, what type of drink? Also tears, but here 
it's in the plural. The first time it's dim'ah, tear, the bread of tear. We would say tears in English. But when we talk about the drink, it's in the plural. And then we have the word shlish, which is a third, but the commentators say, and also both the Christian and Jewish commentators say that this is a term for being multiplied in abundance. So God has caused the people to eat and drink sorrows in abundance. That is their present condition. Now, let's pause. Ask yourself, are there times in my life when I am full of sorrow? And it seems like morning, noon, and night, when we eat usually, I'm experiencing this continual sorrow. My life is struggling right now. What to do? This psalm is for you. This is the testimony from Asaf, this man who was inspired to write it down in order to share with you what you should pray when you feel that there is abundant sorrow in your life. Notice that he wants God to lead the people, that he wants God to act in behalf of the people for the will of God. And what that initially initially involves in God dealing with the enemy. Look at verse 7 in Hebrew 6 and others. For you have set us Madon. What's Madon? Strife. So now this one who is speaking Asaf is saying when it deals with God's people, we are full of strife. Strife with who? The enemy. He is warring against us he is contending against us you have set us as strife to our neighbors that is the bordering countries and our enemies what do they do they mock us so they are mocking them meaning the people of israel so they're being mocked They have enemies, their lives, and their existence are full of contention and strife. These are not good days for the children of Israel. They are suffering. They are going through affliction. And what is the solution? Well, look again at verse 8. We see that same, and this is the second time, this same verse is repeated where he says, O God of hosts, restore us. Meaning what? restoration is found in being turned back and it's in the verbal stem which is the causative cause us to turn back meaning this we may be so unspiritual removed from the truth of god the understanding of god from the 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 wisdom of the word of god that that if we're going to get reconciled with god god's going to have to do it we are so removed from god we need his help in restoring us to him we can't do it in of ourselves so he says oh god of hosts restore us turn us back and do what that your face would illuminate meaning your presence would shine upon us and if so if there's that reconciliation if your presence is upon us what's going to happen look at the end of verse 8 and we shall be what saved that's the implication salvation and what this verse that's repeated three times does is this it helps us to understand what is salvation being together with god 
That is what we should strive for. That should be the purpose, the objective, being in the presence of God. And being there produces victory. So one thing that we can conclude from this is very simple. When you are going through times of conflict, strife, full of sorrow, what should you do? Seek intimacy with God. How does that begin? Worshiping Him. And worshiping God will give you the power, the anointing, the means to repent, to turn towards Him. So it begins with worship. He's always worthy of worship and it doesn't matter how unworthy you may feel what you have done repent meaning turn towards god and that begins with acknowledging his holiness his glory his perfection his righteousness praising him for who he is see we can always worship god for who he is and then we move to a deeper form of worship And that is worshiping God for what he has done for his people in the past. Not necessarily what he's done for me. We'll come to that. But what he's done for his people throughout the generations. And then that will give us the mindset to understand what we personally have reason to praise God for, to give him thanks. And when we're doing that, that type of worship is going to bring about a change. What type of change? a restoring change of us with God so that we can experience him and that's going to make all the difference in the world look if you would to the next verse verse 9 and Hebrew 8 and others we have this word geffen now geffen is a vine and what we find here is that that the word geffen is being used generally for the people of israel or collectively inclusively of the people of god meaning israel so it says a a vine from egypt you you moved forth you brought about it's a word for traveling going you caused this vine from egypt to to come forth to move along what's it speaking about leaving egypt on the way to israel and furthermore it says and you casted out nations and what did you do you planted it meaning you planted the vine you planted the children of israel in the land of canaan and to do that you casted out the canaanites and all those nations that dwelt there verse 10. remove from before us and here it's talking about god you turning before before it meaning remove these enemies remove those things that hinder us so turn them away now that word can also mean an example of building a road you build a road in the ancient times what do you do well there's that way but in the way there are rocks stones different things so turning means clearing away and this is what the, the, the author, Asaf, is saying. Clear away, remove those things from before it, before that vine. And do what? Va-tashresh, shara-shea, which means make a deep or a strong rooting. 
It's an idiom for a foundation. Anything that is going to last, endure, overcome, perseveres, going to have longevity, is going to have a good foundation. So it uses the biblical word root, shorsh, in two uh, forms in order to say, make for a strong and certain foundation a rootal system that overcomes whatever the enemy does. And then it concludes by saying, and, and fill up the land with who? Your people. That your people might inhabit. So when it says fill up, it's speaking about causing Israel, that vine, to inhabit the land of Israel. Verse, verse 11 in Hebrew, 10 in others. Covers, cover the mountains with its shadow. Now, we need to be clear on something. Tzel is a shadow. Mountain is oftentimes speaking of a seat of authority or government. It's in the plural. And what it's saying here is in just the same way that a shadow spreads out. What it's talking about is having Israel spread out its rule, its authority, its kingdom over other nations. And that's what's going to be the kingdom of God, where God will establish his mountain, the mountain in Jerusalem, that government, as the chief mountain over all others. This is what Asaph is praying for. So cover up the mountains with its shadow. Let it it put its dominance, its authority, its control over other nations and its branches. What type of branches? the the mighty lebanon so this eras is the word for for a tree and it's speaking here about this tree known in lebanon as being strong and mighty and and such so it's saying here let this 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 tree the strong tree put forth its uh, its branches Another way of showing its influence, its control over other nations. Verse verse 12. And send forth its harvest. It's the word katsir. So I realize that some Bibles translate it differently. But it's talking about the fruitfulness, the blessings of this land. It's not just for Israel, but the blessings of Israel is for the world that's why israel was created the people and the land that through israel both the people and the land that all the families of the earth can be blessed so the blessings go forth they have to be shipped that's why it says send forth its harvest the the outcome of its labor its 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 activity send forth its harvest unto the sea meaning through the sea and to the river its shoots meaning the river closer by this things of the shoots another idiom for the produce what what can be derived what can be be received from israel these good things may it go forth among the the highways through the rivers through the seas traveling forth verse 13 why shall burst forth the the 
fences now some will say hedges sometimes hedges were used as fences and what it says here for for what is it going to do it's going to burst forth through the boundaries and likewise all the ones who pass in the way they're going to what gather it or pluck it up now what it's speaking about here is that israel is going to be a place a source of blessing where those who come to it they're able to reap blessing so going to israel and i'm speaking about this in the kingdom sense going into the kingdom is going to be a location where you receive blessing that's what israel is supposed to be and ultimately israel is a kingdom word so we learn what god wants to do in israel is to show how the kingdom is going to function and unfortunately we haven't done a good job with doing that up until this time that's going to be what's brought about in the millennial kingdom one of the reasons why the torah is going to be the rule of the law or rule of law in the millennial kingdom is to show how this nation can truly be a blessing to all the people of the earth that's why god has entered into a covenant that's why god has done the work of redemption restoration for those who pass by those who will come to it that they might uh, uh, receive pick, pick up the blessings verse 14 but there's going to be that enemy and notice what it speaks of chazir me yaar what does that mean the boar it's talking about a wild pig from the forest is going to what devour and finish off that's this first word in the hebrew text it implies devouring something and bringing it to an end and who's that that wild boar in the forest an idiom for the enemy and it says and will move and it's talking about other beasts now the beasts of the field the beasts of the field they are going to also feed upon her meaning they're going to want to devour it not receiving the blessings but destroying the nation that's what the world is going to want to do but god look at verse uh, 15 in hebrew but god the the host again restore that's what he's saying restore please he wants this restoration he wants god to move against the enemy so oh god of hosts uh return please and do what look down from heavens and see and then we have a word for god moving mightily moving strongly moving in his entirety in order to do what to vindicate to redeem and again that word geffen the vine this vine so he's asking god to behave move act in order to defend this vine israel against her enemies look down from heaven once more pay attention to the plight of your people next verse now the next verse many bibles will have the word vineyard it's not there in the original language it's the word for a foundation a base 
And when I look at this, it's a word, ve-chana, and the base. But when you look underneath, and I'm looking at a book, it's only Hebrew, and it has the literal scripture in Hebrew, but underneath it, it has Hebrew to help us understand the intent. And the understanding is based upon the consensus of the, the various commentators. And here when it talks about that base, it says, V'et bet hamikdash, which is the temple. So he's speaking here about this base, this temple that he has planted. And it says his right hand has planted it. So he's talking about the foundation of of Israel, which God, his right hand, has planted. Now, who's this right hand? Well, it's the word having to do with Messiah. Why do I say that? Well, if you keep reading. And concerning the Son that you that you have strengthened uh strengthened in regard to to unto him you've strengthened him now it's him but it's that son of yours so your son i believe this is a clear reference to messiah so look at it again and concerning the son he says you have strengthened for for yourself You've strengthened him, meaning this, you've given him a call, you've given him an assignment in order that your purposes might be brought about. This is what he's saying, verse 17, 16 and others. And has been burned with fire and has been cut down from its place. Now, this can be a reference to the captivity, the destruction of whether we're talking about the first temple or the second temple prophetically in those days. It speaks about has been burned with fire and cut down. What has? God's purposes for a season. Ultimately, the purposes of God are going to be fulfilled. But for a season, it's been judged by fire. It's been cut down. And from the rebuke of your presence, they have perished. But here again, it is a temporal. For some of them, it's eternal. They have been eternally lost, but there's a remnant that is going to endure. Notice the next verse. Now, immediately speaking about this this being torn down, this destruction, notice what he says in the next verse. It's the word, tehi yatcha. May your hand be upon the man. What? Your hand, and then it says, the man of your right hand. Now, notice how that same phrase appears. Al ben adam imatalach, which means, upon the son, the son of man, you strengthen for yourself, meaning for your purposes. Now, notice what he says. Shall be your hand, your authority, your power upon the man of your right hand. Who's the man of his right hand? It's Messiah. Concerning this son, the son of man, that you have strengthened for yourself, for your purposes. Verse 19. We will not uh, uh, go back 
We're not going to flee from you. But he says, you sustain us. In your name we call. So it's a petition. Sustain us. And this is that reference to the remnant. That those who are going to be sustained. And this word for sustaining, it's the word techayenu. Make us live. And again, most of the commentators see that this sustenance, this making alive, is giving a new life, a kingdom life. Why? In the previous verse, they've been destroyed, they've perished, but this is the resurrected life, meaning those who had faith are going to overcome death for the fulfillment of the purposes of God. And what are they going to do? In your name, we have called called out to you O god by your name last verse O lord god of hosts this is the third time he says hashivenu which means restore us turn us back unto you it is a term of restoration or regeneration so he says O lord god of hosts restore us and here's the third time that he says, and your face, your very presence shine when God's presence is with the people. What's the outcome? Ve nisha, ve niva shea, and we will be saved. Over and over here, this is the third time it speaks, and it speaks and confirms with authority God's promise that there is coming again for the remnant of god's people there is coming deliverance there is coming life a resurrected life a kingdom life but again it only comes about because of what god does that's why he's called the god of hosts or the lord of hosts both terms are used here the god who is abundantly power now one of the things that we say frequently in fact three times a day we talk about god who is abundant to save rav leoshia that's what his nature is he has limitless power without limitation limitless power in order to save therefore when we come before him we should come before him with confidence and if we're in that new covenant we can come before him with assurance that god is going to hashivenu restore us He is going to give us life, eternal life, kingdom life. This is the nature and the testimony of Asaph concerning the God of Israel. So in my opinion, this 80th Psalm is indeed a Psalm of encouragement, teaching us how to pray, what to pray, and what prayer is going to bring about for those who belong to that new covenant relationship with God through, and hear this, through that Son. And I'm speaking about the Son of Man, who's also the Son of God, Messiah Yeshua. It's only Him that can give you that assurance, that hope that will not disappoint, that assurance that you are going to experience God's eternal restoration with Him in His kingdom. Well, I'll close with that until next week. May God bless you. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.